Welcome to the Hello D Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Harry D Podcast. I, myself, am DJ. Joined with me is my lovely co-host. Hi, that's me. I'm Harrison. I'm I'm the co-host. Why'd you pause so long, you weirdo? I thought you were gonna say my name like usual. That that's all. It's nah, usually... it's your name. I, I, that's just so weird. Usually we're like and our our co-host, and then we say the other one's name, and then they're like, "Hi, I'm I'm so and so." Nah, it's you're, you're, you made it weird. You made it weird. Anyway, our special guest for today is a lovely man, uh, bald in heart but beautifully bearded. His name is Shad. He's here to talk about philosophy and things of the such. Howdy, Shad. What made you get into like philosophy and things like that? I think one of the most important uh, currents in my life is kind of that study. I uh, was very interested in science and things like that as a younger child. So when it came to questions that science couldn't answer or didn't answer, um, naturally you move on to something else like religions and different philosophies and things like that. That's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. So, uh, my fault, OG. Go ahead. Nah, I was just going to ask, uh, what do you know the most about? Because we, we talked a little bit off of, uh, off, off air, you know what I mean? But like mm. about, you know, uh, Buddhism and all that other types of stuff, you know, the way, like I, most people see it as a religion, but you know, I was always taught that it was more of a practice, not, not a way of life. Like some, you know, those like beauty gurus try to teach you, you know? Sure. I understand that. I think that's, I, I, I know the most about Buddhism and I honestly would say that it's a, it's a misconception that it is not a religion. Um, oh, you just did tends, something bad for DJ. It is a, it's kind of a Western misconception that it's not a religion. Um, no, in, I, I understand what you're saying. You know what I mean? In certain areas of the world, it is most definitely a religion, like mm. most definitely. But the way I was always taught, because like I told you, I think before, I was taught the like three styles of uh, three different teachings. It's like uh, the Japanese, some of the Hindu, and uh, some of the not Tibetan. Is it Taiwanese? Taiwanese. I think it's Taiwanese. It's just Eastern Asian in general. Well, no, they're they're all of them are different. I know, but it was an Eastern Asian country. You have, I mean, you have two major schools of Buddhism. Uh, the, the only because what was conveyed to me is like, like the the way I see it is completely different from someone who may like uh, practice continuously. You know, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, because of like how I learned, why I learned, what I learned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the environment I, that it was taught to me. You know? Yeah. yeah. Not to say that that's necessarily. Uh, wrong of you to have learned it that way but the right. the idea that it is not a religion i think is ultimately uh, a, a large misconception uh, the buddha did teach these uh fundamental i guess you could say fundamental truths about reality and and things at large morality and and, and for those who don't know who they are what they are would you care to explain them sure uh, the uh, you have 
in Buddhism, the Buddha described the Four Noble Truths, um, which are kind of like the most basic aspects of it. Um, it is the, it's essentially the truth of suffering, the cause of suffering, the truth of the end of suffering, and the path to that end of suffering. So um, it is essentially describing the innate nature of existence that it is impermanent or impermanent it nothing is uh, forever and ultimately everything is kind of empty when we look deeper and deeper into things and and whatnot we don't find any uh true nature there one of the most uh common common ideas with that is the description of like a chariot when you look deeper into the chariot you don't find that the the spokes on the wheel contain that chariot nature or the wheel itself or the axle or the carriage aspect of it right none of that conveys this existence or reality until it is all put together right but the fact is is that continuously changes atoms exchange it falls apart pieces get replaced things like that and that's true of all things there's no thing that is totally permanent see so that what we were talking about the noble truth and everything i wanted you to say it first because like like i said you have more of a a well-versed knowledge than I do from like the teachings that I was because I was thinking three noble truths you know mm -hmm. and they were ex like you said before they were explained simply simple simplistically to me and I, I always think that it's because like you know as a as the job that I am it's like a, it's a combat thing you know they, they want to be the United States is a very Christian oriented you know country yeah. so they, they summarize and and not belittle but you know make light of other uh, religions and, and practices and, and, and whatnot. Water, so, water it down, essentially. Right, of course. So, I, like, you know, there, there, what I got taught was there will always be suffering, there is always suffering, you have to understand and live with the suffering. And, you know, and to pull from what you were saying, you know, th those are more lines of, like, the base root of what everybody was saying. You know, if that, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, I always say when people ask, well, are you religious? I was like, no. I, I'm a Buddhist, but I'm not a practicing one, you know, because, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit there and say that, like, I know the end all be all of everything, you know, no, absolutely. I, I, I practice the ways that it was taught to me, you know, and, and like that, that's the, the main thing that like drives me forward in life is like the, the fact that the teachings that I were, t I was taught in, in, we'll say a combat scenario type thing is like, there will always be suffering. And then for the last like six, seven years in my life, that's something that's resonated with me very, on a very deep and emotional level. Oh, and, yeah. and and understanding that and, you know, like over, not just overcoming that because it's, I don't want to just, just be like, oh, well, I need to let this religion into my heart or this religion into my heart because I, I, I don't think any religion in specifics is important. I think organized religion is a scam in general. I, it may be an unpop, but that's genuinely how I feel. And that's why I wanted you to convey these things because you're not just, you know, I wouldn't say you're a master, but like you're well-versed on various vast different topics about each and 
every other religion practice and all that stuff you know so it's it's always enjoyable having an intellectual conversation with you i appreciate it thank you yeah of course and, and I, honestly i i think that a mark of a a good religion is the ability to kind of boil down its teachings to like fundamental aspects if you ask someone like what is one of the most important things in islam it's going to be the shahada the testament of faith there is no god but allah and muhammad is his messenger boiling it down to that point is what's going to make it understandable and easier to conceptualize for most people when you ask someone hey boil down christianity to its easiest points jesus died on the cross in order to redeem and give salvation unto people right being able to bring it down again to that point is going to attract a lot more people than explaining oh well it's very important that jesus is a descendant of david in this capacity and here's the christology and and all of these things that's not gonna attract anybody as yeah, easily really as not. something as simple as say the four noble truths being able to say here are the four points i have to say here are the eight things that you have to do here are the three marks those kind of things buddhism is very good at saying here is the exact things and of course there are further growths on it it's not like um most buddhists follow only what uh siddhartha said right you you have of course later developments like you were saying mm -hmm. like um you know you have mahayana which is close and is kind of seen as a a different liberation path than say vajrayana or theravada which are different things vajrayana is uh much more individual focused where mahayana is much more uh much more focused on all sentient beings and, and things like that um it is uh, it's obviously there there's so many differences that you can't just <laughs> you can't just say you know uh right like how there, there become so many denominations of like different types of faith and everything it's just which really that's one of my fundamental points of like why i don't really understand and, and and can resonate with um with organized religion you know mm -hmm. that that's just one of the the, the plot points for me you know and, and and for me i i started to follow a different path i actually went the opposite way in my uh, spiritual development for quite a while i was doing a lot of soul searching and trying to to understand things uh like that and i came to the idea when i was flirting with christianity on a deeper level that part of the reason i think a lot of people leave christianity is because there's a lack of centralization for a lot of people i like in, in terms of like Protestantism, each church in my town, if they're Protestant denomination in some capacity, are different from each other. 
Yeah, but that's if I that happen a lot. Exactly. But I go to a Catholic church and they're going to be telling me the same message. Whether I'm in Greeley, whether I'm in Denver, whether I'm in New York, whether I'm, you know, wherever, in Columbus, it doesn't matter. Mm. Even in even in Rome, the central messages are the same because there is that structure. Which mm. I think can be important because then if we don't have someone to say, here's why you're misinterpreting that, here's what we, we have decided on as a community, mm-hmm. then you get people that are going to... Uh, be extremely anti-LGBTQ or think that the earth is flat based on Wait, their it's own not. personal interpretations. Sadly, it's not, DJ. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You can't and, and I, 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 I completely understand that. You know, it's, it's just the whole thing about needing someone to, to, to guide you in your, in your way of life. And I, I understand this may be sounding blasphemous and rah, 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 shaking my fist, rah, 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 rah. but if you need someone else to guide your hand in life because you couldn't find it out for yourself, does that mean that you were missing the piece to begin with? Mm-hmm. Or do you need to cling to someone else's ideals to make yourself feel whole? True. Yeah. I think that there is ultimately a, a greater spiritual path to be found um, with your own efforts than outside of your efforts. But, right. Um, I guess my my intention with what I'm saying is rather that uh, one should try to discover for themselves, but always double check yourself against yeah. what others have that been makes, saying. That makes a lot of sense, and um, in certain ways, that's kind of where I am uh, as a proclaimed agnostic person. I'm more trying to find out, like. Not necessarily what suits me the best, but what I feel more of a deeper connection to. And that's why I've tried researching different religions. I went from being a, uh, a Baptist, a Southern Baptist, most of my young life, uh, to doing Hebrew roots type stuff every Saturday where you would study the Bible and all that. And it's always felt like I, sh- I wanted to learn more than just what I was told uh, throughout my life. And like, kind of not try, not necessarily saying like I want to distance myself from the whole idea of uh, Jesus and God and all that it's more like I just want to learn to see what I feel a connection to and <clears throat> whenever uh, you yourself Shad were studying Islam that's what kind of drawed me to it because I wanted to start studying it a little more just to see like well does this suit me a little better and I did the same thing basically with um orthodox judaism uh at one point just researching it and all that scene of like well maybe this will stick and uh now whenever we have our discussions of uh thalamic religions i that's what i keep trying to get into is like learn more about thalamic religions and what alistair crowley uh was teaching and all that back in the day and i want to start talking a little bit more about that because i think it's just very complex and you're never going to be able to cover it with just a single conversation, but I want to like at least talk about it because it is very interesting in my opinion. See, I have absolutely no idea what either of you're talking about, and 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 forgive me for being an ignoramus, but that that's the things that I like. I, I enjoy. I, I knowledge is power, and I I'm never gonna take someone's knowledge and and squash it down because of my beliefs or the way I feel. Because to me, like I had a dream the other day, and I know this sounds like oh he's talking about a dream. But I believe in the whole past lives thing because from for me personally, my memory of being myself, this person that I am, starts at age eight in a mirror. And I don't remember anything before then. People come up to me with memories before then 
and they'll have whole recollections of stuff I've never experienced. But that's a whole different story for a whole different day. And a, and a, a bathtub and a, and a jacuzzi filled with ice. But again, different stories. <laughs> I understand the reference, DJ. But yes. yeah, Chad, I'd, I'd like to talk about uh, the Thelamic religion that you study and that you're kind of passing a little bit of knowledge on to me as long as I ask about it and I want to research <laughs> it and all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's, it is, for me, the religion that speaks the most uh, to, to just my understanding of, of things. And I find that each time I read the holy texts and things like that, I, I get more and more and my, my understanding becomes deeper in a, in a way that I never felt with other religions. Right? Um, yeah it feels closer to a discovery like a a eureka moment whereas when i was studying say the quran or uh reading through the bible or whatever what have you dhammapada those kind of things it What's wasn't dhammapada? that's a, a collection of the buddha's teachings oh see look at me how straight was outing myself you suck <laughs> you poser like I said, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you've read the text as much as what matters is as if you understand the core concepts. Right? See, that's what I mean though. Like like you you telling me like things because I, I have a book on Buddhism in my in my thing that was given to me, but it was like mm -hmm. like I can't remember how to say the words, but it was like nom ah, damn the fuck. I don't want to say it and then look like an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not gonna look like an idiot. Like it's nam, nam, nam Niko, fuck man, nam, damn, nam Niko, jeez man, can't see. I I can tell you what it is, but I can't tell you what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's a different language. It's a foreign language to you yeah, by quite a like, lot, right? Ah. It, at minimum, it's gonna be something of the, the Indian subcontinent, which is already difficult to to pronounce to, to western tongues sometimes yeah i mean i can roll my r's pretty good but that's for different <laughs> 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 how i say um, man you know can you uh shad can you explain to everybody that's listening why i say 93 at the every at the end of every podcast yeah yes so uh, to to we have to cycle back just a little bit to okay. uh the general idea of what Thelema is and, and who founded it. So the founder was Aleister Crowley, uh, born in 1875, died in 1947. And he was a, an occultist, philosopher, mountaineer, Renaissance man, ceremonial magician type kind of guy. Possibly racist. Definitely uh, not always the best of people. He was definitely a bastard in many parts of his life for sure definitely not probably a model citizen but you know who i is. i think if you i mean as with most but especially with crowley if you slavishly follow what he says on all things then you are not following what he was saying in the first place so That's in great. 1904 when he was in cairo with his wife Rose at the time, they performed a ritual uh, invoking Horus, the Egyptian god of the sun. And later on, through various 
um, proofs that he would later present, uh, he found that Rose was, knew more about Horace than she should have known. And at one point, when they were in their apartment, if I remember correctly, this disincarnate being named Iwas dictated the Book of the Law to him, which outlines what Tholema is in the first place. Are you saying Book um, of the Law or Book of Allah? Of the Law. The Law. The Law. Uh, right. Quick, Sorry, I'm deaf. Is, uh, isn't Horus uh, the war deity? I thought Ra was the sun god. Both. What? Uh, oh, they're both. Yeah. Horus, Horus can be uh, closer to that, right? He is he is okay. fire, and and I just I wanted to make clarification because I, I didn't know if I was tripping or if like you were just confused about something, but I was an idiot. My fault. Unless I'm mistaken, um, you're you're questioning the 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 queen right now. I I, <laughs> I had to I had to critically analyze it. That's what you should do with uh, most things that you're unsure about. You need to critically analyze it. Mm, mm. Exactly. All right. All right. Very so, well. Very well. Please continue. You just got to the point about uh, the dictation of the book of the law. So, so he got the book of the law. He wrote it down, and then he essentially kind of just discarded it for a while. He just wrote it off as something that you know happened and willing to record in his his journals and things like that but outside of that it just never really had this kind of grip on him uh but later he kind of came back to it and and it kind of it, it seemed to answer all of these questions that he had and uh it began to present itself as a book that has uh, a few different speakers uh, in each chapter. So there's three chapters total. Chapter one is the goddess Nui, who, uh, in my understanding, represents kind of the unmitigated possibilities. Right? She is the uh, the great mother, the source of all things, the collection of all possibilities, infinite space that kind of thing she is the okay. circle whose circumference is infinite the second speaker in chapter two is the god hadith who is the infinitely small point and kind of seen as motion and time he's the flame as as the book says he's the flame that burns in the heart of every man and in the core of every star um huh. It, it's the the um, the marriage of the two, the interaction of the two, kind of produces everything. That's the idea: infinite possibility with precise possibility together. The precise action is what results in everything else. So I have a question. Yeah. What do you, What do you know of Greek philosophy? What does Greek philosophy tie into Greek mythology? And why do we treat the, the Greek uh, gods and goddesses as mythos and everything is the, and other religions as fact? Right, exactly. I mean, you have, you have people who still do worship 
great gods. Uh, you have, you know, um, I don't remember the term for them, but different Greek pagans who who follow that. But I mean, historically, it has been suppressed, whereas other religions have it, or followers have died out or converted in some capacity. So. Yeah. In, in that regard, would I be justified in saying that everything is in the realm of mythology? I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. No, because you can you can say Christian mythos, you can say Thelemic mythos, those kind of things. It doesn't. Right. Yeah, because I don't think there's necessarily matter. any evidence that any religion is 100% like truthful. I think it's all technically still theory or myth. Because there's no nothing like there's not been a fucking god come out of the sky to say, "Hey, I'm the actual god. Everything else is wrong. You're idiots if you believe this way." So I think it's all. You know, honestly, if that was to happen, I wouldn't even be mad. I would just be. I'd. I'd just. I'd have a list of things he needs to rewrite. Not even like saving children in Africa. Not even like giving money to the homeless. Fixing world hunger. Bring back like. Oh, dude, I, I can't even get into it the way I want to. Bring back the original cereal straws from the early 2000s. That's all I really Oh, want. dude, the ones that crunch when you, you, you... Oh, that would slap so hard right now. <laughs> it used to just be a podcast episode where we're, like, eating cereal and just rating it 1 through 10. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe for uh, episode 20. If we make it that far. Yeah, we're probably going to get canceled. But I didn't say uh, that. I think we're just gonna fall off. But Chad, please continue. Sorry. To go back, no, you're fine. To go back uh, to why Harrison says '93, uh, it Crowley was very interested in the concept of geometria, and he would use it to prove things. Uh, geometria is just the study of words and their relationship to numbers. The uh, the ancient Hebrews didn't have separate symbols for numbers from letters, so they would use letters that had numerical representations. So the first letter, Aleph, would be one, and you know, one would another letter would be five hundred, one would be six hundred, that kind of thing. So Crowley would use this as he understood it later on to analyze the Book of the Law, this receptive uh, text to kind of find proofs and find the relationship between different things in passages that he didn't understand at the time or never ended up understanding. In fact, the Book of the Law explicitly states that he would never understand all of it anyway. But the central piece, as we were talking about with Buddhism, in having that that core message with the lema, the central message is do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Meaning we should uh, we should find our true nature, our true will, and follow that true path. Um, we all, essentially everyone has an orbit and following that orbit is the most beneficial thing because we would have, you could say, the inertia of the universe behind that. Uh, further, there is uh, the concept that, if I remember correctly, in the Book of the Law, it is Nuit stating that every man and every woman is a star, which is a very important concept of individuality that 
I would agree. It's very. It seems very individualistic. So yeah. from from that point, uh, let's divert from uh, all the religion for a second and talk about something else that I know you know a vast amount of astrology. Yeah. I I wouldn't say a vast amount, but I know a fair amount. It's more than mine, and then to me that's vast. The most <laughs> I know about astrology is girls saying, "Oh, Venus is in retrograde. Let me throw some rocks at his pillow so he likes me." Are you talking about birthday racism, DJ? I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, astrology is just a way for girls to be racist on birthdays. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really funny uh, whenever I saw that because I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. And then I always see the ones that are like, I don't know if Mars is in Gatorade or something, but it needs to stop. <laughs> what is that? What does that mean, Chad? What does that mean? So with astrology, the idea is that it it follows and comes from a core concept found in all occultism and uh, more esoteric beliefs of the the maxim as above, so below. So the things above us mimic and influence the things below, but the things below also mimic and influence the things above. So in regards to astrology, that means that potentially the patterns that the uh, different stars and planets follow in the sky have some sort of effect on the lower, on the below. Primarily and chiefly is the sun and, and the moon on people and astrological beliefs. So the the sky is roughly divided into 12 different i guess sectors or different constellations that are there Um, roughly about once a month the sun will move through each one of those uh, sectors through each one of those zodiac signs or constellations and people believe that that affects the energy or the influence that the sun would have on uh, the earth and people at large. So when someone says, what is your sign? They're referring to, generally speaking, they're referring to what or what constellation was the sun in when you were born. Uh, each of these signs is, is complex and it, it can't be summarized by just a little snippet in the newspaper or a notification on your phone but furthermore the ancient peoples who studied astrology could only see out to saturn with the naked eye you can only see mercury venus uh, the moon the sun mars jupiter and saturn Right. Everything else past that requires a telescope in some capacity. So with astrolo- astrological developments, only up until the 1930s did we... I think it was the 1930s. I think it was also. Was it? When was Pluto discovered? I don't remember off the top uh, of my head. Uh, uh, well, 1909. Uh, oh, 1930. I like So 1930... When Pluto was discovered, we finally had this kind of complete system of astrology, but they they differ, right? In our lifetime, in yours lifetime, in my lifetime, Pluto is hardly going to move. It takes it about 
250 years to go around the sun. So it has more generational effects, whereas the sun moves through each sign within a month, roughly, right? Yeah. The moon moves through each sign. Let me think. I think it's every, like, three, four days, right? It moves very quickly because astrology functions on the idea that the earth is the center of the solar system and that's why things become retrograde right they move backwards through science the sun is always moving forward but just due to the orbit of mercury around the sun versus our orbit around the sun sometimes it seems like mercury is actually going backwards in the sky for some reason right i think so, it's just based off of uh, how far away it is from the earth because it, right. it can appear that way exactly exactly but to the people who didn't understand orbital mechanics like we do now and just the the nature of the solar system in a much better sense they could only see those uh planets moving around in that forward and backwards motion every so often so each planet ultimately represents some sort of energy some sort of influence and that is further influenced by the the constellation it is in the way that it is moving through the sky and the relationships and kind of angles that it has with other planets i've always thought the idea of like how the planets move and how it could affect people it's kind of interesting to me i don't think of it in the white girl sense where like uh if mercury is at a certain position around the sun that's I, I'm, I'm okay to be a bad person or something like that uh but like actual <clears throat> actual planetary movements and any effect they have on the people because i, I imagine that <clears throat> any sort of position in the solar system is going to have an effect on people the same way like the moon has an effect on the earth with the rising tides and all that see for me it's a completely different thing because like I appreciate space because it's vast, not just because of like what it is technically. You know, mm-hmm. that's I, I wanted to be a space marine. You know, like like a like a legitimate space marine. When the space force <laughs> came around, I thought that was the coolest thing. Go you know, everybody thought, like, yeah, I want to fight in space. I want to take a, a a gun, space pressurized uh, CO two that's shooting little pellets. You know, because it's just a vacuum, so you give it a lot of pressure in a vacuum. There you go. You know. Yeah. Use the science behind it. So I, right. I mean, I love sci-fi stuff like that. I, I, I like a lot of like my uh, room setup is built to look and mirror that of space. There's like a little projector planetarium thing. I have a velvet poster of a spaceman holding a bong that you know is passing you the bongs. If you're chasing space dragons, for those who know, you know, you know, it feels pretty nice. I have a tapestry that's a spaceman on a mushroom planet looking around. And uh, a lot of very well done paintings by someone I care very deeply for uh, that are uh, representations of what I like to argue is the self that I see myself as. An alien, not disfigured, but not dismembered. You know what I mean? Like distant, but relatable. Yeah, exactly. And for me, this is kind of where this is one of the reasons that Thelema kind of ends up blending back into this and the reason that I'm so attracted to it 
my first great love was astronomy in the first place. I love understanding and learning about what the moon is like, why it has mm -hmm. gravity, why why is uh, Jupiter so important to the overall development of life on Earth? Where is the asteroid belt? Those kind of wait, questions. Wait, wait, wait. Why is Jupiter that important? I, I genuinely do not know. Drives knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, because we don't know a lot about it. Well, I mean, we know a lot about it, but we don't know everything about it, so it drives innovation to know more. I know absolutely nothing. But life on Earth is one of the reasons that we have life on Earth is because Jupiter catches asteroids. It's kind of a vacuum, right, that is just floating around uh, a little bit outside of us. The asteroid belt itself essentially is kind of right where jupiter is it's trapped there in some capacity not only due to the formation of the solar system as we understand it but also because jupiter is so massive those comets and asteroids and whatever can't leave its gravitational influence thereby saving us from an eventual collision with one of them so what's yeah. prohibiting us from further expanding our reach as humans, other than light speed travel? I we think... can't get along. That too. That too. I honestly, sometimes I wish we could put our differences aside as like countries, nations, people, races, mm. just so we could fight aliens. I don't care what we do after, but I want to fight me some aliens. I don't know <laughs> if that makes me like prejudiced or whatever, but like, fuck those aliens. I'm surprised you said fight, not the other F word. Huh? I said, I'm surprised you said fight, not the other F word. Fuck? Yeah. I said that too. I said both. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. I get it in the yeah. other con. I get it. I get it. Yeah. That too. That too. <laughs> That'd also be pretty cool. <clears throat> the, I would the... like to shift the conversation back towards religion, though. Space is nice, but I want to go back towards religion to keep with the theme. Yeah, I just yeah. don't want Jump, jumping back, the the thing I was the point I was going to make with my attraction to Thalema is one of the other important maxims that they profess, especially during their when the uh, periodical called the Equinox was being written, is they are looking for they were using the aims of science, uh, or excuse me, the methods of science for the aims of religion. Crowley and his compatriots really focused on this idea of scientific illuminism, approaching spiritual subjects, approaching the paranormal and praetor natural things with a scientific attitude. He wasn't saying, here's what happened. I am a prophet. I have, uh, just believe me. He was very precise and very explicitly said here's what happened to me here are the proofs that i uh have attained this position believe it if you want but this is how it comes he greatly encouraged any of his followers and explicitly encouraged them in other capacities to keep a journal of their practices if they're meditating what was the meditation like what did you eat for dinner what's the weather like things like that so you can find those relationships and essentially be a scientist of religion 
rather rather than just saying just trust me he says here's why even in the book of the law the foundational text of all of Thelema the thing he wrote at the very end the, his comments on it is don't let other people interpret this for you you have to interpret it for yourself like a do your own research don't just take my word for it right right don't don't read a book and say okay well i guess this is going to be correct that's all i needed uh alistair crowley says this is how it is and this is how it's going to be and and darn that sucks but that's what he says so i guess it's right no i think that separates the lema from a lot of other religions because a lot of people just read one book and take that as complete and utter Yep, this is it. Even if it's not like the original text of their religion or their philosophy or something like that. They don't do any other research with it. They're like, yep, this is it. All right, I'm going to live by this. Instead of trying to research more into it, find out if that person that wrote it was accurate or not, or if they were just spouting uh, religious dogma to point to where they were trying to make their own like off sect of that religion or philosophy. Yeah, right, exactly. There's there's mystery upon mystery in that book, and like I said when we first started, every time that I read it, I find something deeper because I've expanded my knowledge about something else, and yet somehow it's able to be referred back into that book. It also uses like a lot of I don't want to say coded language, but a lot of like language where you have to read more into it instead of just taking it as what it is. Right. It it is it's mystery upon mystery metaphor upon metaphor and crowley himself was an impressively intelligent individual eh, regardless and even even if we are to say okay well he wasn't contacted by the supernatural being none of that happened he just wrote this on the end by himself he sat down and thought about it for a while the central message the beliefs the mysteries and hidden aspects of that book are still profound at least in my understanding and to me yeah i I think so also it's the, the entire point of the religion is to find your true will it is to find who you are it's to know thyself it is not to to bow down to something that you don't know the nature of yeah i like the idea that um the lema also like from what i've gathered from it it doesn't necessarily say like well all these other religions are just they're lying they're lying Mm -hmm. it's like i i get anytime we try to study something about it i always get like okay well this was a part of another religion so it's literally using a part of it and saying like yeah this is this is true Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like Crowley was just like handpicking stuff that he wanted to talk about. It seemed like a lot of the stuff he was actually revealed as part of other religions too. Right. Yeah. I mean, Crowley Crowley viewed himself as kind of the the prophet that was initiating humanity into a new aeon of development. Each he he classified it as the aeon of Horus. So, I don't like how you're saying. Are you saying eon? is specifically aeon <laughs> it is written that way different word eon i, I was gonna catch yeah, on to aeon that and eon different because i was gonna like before i say something i need to know if there's a two different things i i don't know if there's a difference between the two necessarily 
but okay uh, then i'm gonna say what i was gonna say i don't like the way you're saying e <laughs> <laughs> it is specifically written a on a e o n that is, is wrong specifically wrong. written that way um, i don't approve dj you don't even know a lot about your religion be quiet you can hit my fucking whole butt crack the the point of the point of thelema is that it kind of coincides with humanity's understanding about things right the first aeon roughly was the aeon of isis it's the maternal female religion mother earth worship of nature and things like that right eventually as our understandings changed we kind of be joined into the aeon of osiris which is the aeon of the dying god the god who dies in self-sacrifice and submission and is resurrected like specifically jesus is one that is uh noted here but also osiris himself or um if i remember right he claims that uh dionysus does as well right you have various religions that focus around that resurrection and that death isn't necessarily the end but that sacrifice is more important but finally with the lema when crowley declared the law of thalema we are in the aeon of horus which is different right moving from earth being the center of our understanding to a more cosmic understanding that okay well maybe the sun is the center maybe there's centers far beyond maybe there is no center right the message of hadith as we went back earlier being the point that is found in the heart of every man in the core of every star right that infinitesimal point is found everywhere and the circle's circumference nuit being infinite her point is everywhere as well right it's a it's a changed understanding then that doesn't mean that forever thelema will be true there will be future aeons you believe it you believe this that will succeed it as our understandings change crowley will become incorrect That's 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 actually really interesting to me. Well, um, that that gives a lot to think about. You know, a lot to chew on. This is this is more been instead of us asking questions about the religion, it's just been the shad uh, lecture hour. <laughs> is it necessarily a bad thing? It, it's know? definitely not a bad thing because it's, it's a lot of informative stuff and we are actually asking questions. I wasn't 100% accurate with that. Uh, so I have one more question, Shad. So before, as far as I know, before you started studying Thelema, uh, you were Muslim, correct? Yeah, I practiced Islam, for sure. So what made you go from, like, get, I don't want to say turned off from Islam, but what made you have a change of thought about Islam? Islam is 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 a very interesting religion and, and one of the more I, I, concise and thought about religions that I personally have encountered in terms of of the day to day operations. Right? It is yeah. it is a it's kind of I tend to view it as a religion of law. Right? Muhammad came together, united the these tribes that were in Medina and Mecca and the Arabian Peninsula at large under a very clear set of laws, right? And 
the the idea of that is is very interesting in that it sees itself as the seal of these Abrahamic religions. It's the final Muhammad is the final prophet. Here are the final rules for humanity for the rest of time until Judgment Day. Right? And it, it, it presents itself as a successor in terms of not only the law, but in the theology and clarifying things that may have turned people off from other religions, right? Seeing itself as a successor of Christianity, it says, hey, yeah, Christ was really cool. He was a messiah. He's a prophet, but he wasn't God. And that's a misunderstanding. Here's why the Trinity is wrong, that kind of thing. So as I was studying it and beginning to have a deeper understanding, which I would never say that I have a deep understanding of Islam, because I there's so much more to understand about it. But those very laws seem extremely outdated to me in terms of things like the treatment of women or the treatment of uh, non-heterosexual uh, proclivities, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Very, uh, uh, okay. Right. I, I, and things like that. Um, and just general um, theological concepts that it's it's not that there's a prohibition on any sort of thought like that but rather just kind of the idea that like from the people that i watched or listened to when i was studying it it was never like okay understand it go like think about what that implication would be if you were to do that thing in islam right it's just arbitrary rules check with this scholar things yeah. like like um like for example, there's supposed to be a ritual purity when you pray, right? You do what's called wudu or gusul, which is like wudu is the basic one. Gusul is the full ritual purification, right? There are different rules regarding that, and they tend to make sense. However, things like like certain foods, uh, you can eat chicken, you can eat beef, whatever, who cares? You're still ritually pure, but if you eat camel meat, now you have to redo everything. But it's just camel meat. Oh, fuck. Right. Like, it's just this one meat, and it doesn't... The person who has had camel meat, it's not that good. <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily a point about <laughs> the quality of the food, but rather just, like, why camel meat? Like, what? what why like, did we pick camel meat, of all things? What about I think goat it's more about, I think it's more about like... Uh, yeah, goat what? meat is fun. I, I think it's more about, like, how what type of animal it is. Because I know, like, from my experience with... Uh, doing the Hebrew roots movement I ate kosher so you know uh, there were mm -hmm. certain foods animals that I didn't eat like right. I didn't have any sort of self shellfish unless I had scales and fins I didn't eat pork I didn't eat uh, other types of animals that were like along the lines of that I didn't eat crab I didn't eat anything like that and honestly I gotta say I was in a much better shape uh, physical yeah. wise because you know, I was actually eating pretty healthy for it but it's more about like the type of animal and the job it was and like there was even certain right. rules about like if the animal died of natural causes you didn't eat it um, if it was an animal that had been prepared on the uh, Sabbath day you didn't eat it it had to be something that was done before the day of rest right yeah exactly I, and 
Islam has some very interesting rules about halal and haram food, right? Food you can and can't eat. But I guess for me, the point of uh, arbitrary restrictions, it seems, is part of the the aspect that turned me off of it. Uh, like, yeah, why? Why sense. I can I can eat all of the halal foods. I can eat all of these foods that are allowed. But then there's one allowed food that messes everything up. Or um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there are there are very sensible rulings that I also uh, I have no problem with, and I think are actually a, a uh, they're kind of they were progressive for the time, right? Yeah. And Islam was definitely progressive for its time when it was first being said. I mean, the idea between married uh, men and women men are supposed to provide completely for the family and any money that the woman makes is hers and hers alone right yeah i didn't that, even know that that was undeniable. right i think it's, i think not, not to us as like westerners it's considered very regressive you know right like it, 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 it but that that was and extremely progressive at the time and still is progressive in some nations around the world yeah very i think um with us living in western society and growing up in a judeo-christian society there's a lot of the stuff like about islam or about hinduism or about anything of the eastern ideologies that i'm a we are either not told or we're told in a watered down fashion like mm -hmm. especially for me growing up in alabama i always got told that uh people in muslim countries they always just and i mean there are some that are uh that don't necessarily follow all the teachings of Islam. They follow their own uh, watered down version of it just so then they can have their society the way they are. And I'm trying to spare any controversial subjects about like that. But growing up in Alabama, uh, I was told what that Islam- anyone really though. People picking, like we said earlier, people pick and pull from what they believe in. Very, but like I got told that like, women in islam were just property they were not treated well at all that some guy could have 87 wives and he could all he could just kill them on the spot if he wanted to for any reason right. at all but right. doing research into it and actually studying it more and actually i have a few muslim friends that i've actually talked to about all this and they the they're like no it's not really like that that's more of a uh, a culture of the nation that it's taught in or that it's enforced in and not a culture of the religion and mm -hmm. that they don't follow it to the t they actually just make their own versions of it so then they can have their rule about it and i think that's the same for a lot of different religions um christianity is one of them where people do also pick and choose what they want to teach judaism is the same way i think it's in all religions really and Absolutely. that's one of the things that turns me off to organized religions and why uh, I consider myself agnostic because I don't like to say that any religion is necessarily wrong. I don't like to say that uh, this person's completely wrong, so they suck. It's more like, okay, well, they think this way. Let me study it as to why they are doing it that way. And then I can make a decision and an informed decision about if uh, I think they're teaching dogma or if they're actually profound with what they're saying. What do you mean by dogma? Uh, dogma is basically just their own propagated version of what they're trying to teach about their religion. Hmm. Right. Exactly. And, it, and 
kind of as we were saying earlier too, as I was saying with BJ is, I think that sometimes organized religion can help mitigate that kind of thing as long as the organizer is also correct in their understanding right yeah with with the lema the maxim of do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law people can tend to interpret that as oh so i can do what i want and no one can tell me otherwise that's not what that means doesn't mean you can go out and debauch yourself and, and things like that and and have no respect in, in you know not do anything like that doing what you want right that's a complete misunderstanding of it but without any sort of authority whether it be past or present to interpret that and say well, okay well yes i can't necessarily interpret all of this book for you but that you are misunderstanding even the words themselves is important to uh to just be propagation and, and things like that of the religion and the survival overall of that religion itself yeah and um i also want <clears throat> to i want to add that uh there are sometimes throughout history where like you said earlier um islam was progressive for the time mm-hmm. before the time part is very important because there are times uh throughout history where religions they kind of do have to adapt they might have to change uh some of their beliefs and all that because it gets outdated and it's always been interesting to me as from a historical standpoint looking at these religions and seeing how they progress through time because from my understanding from uh my hebrew hebrew root stuff and all that is that um uh there were like the true actual followers of uh yehoshua which is jesus but jesus is the greek name for him yehoshua is the hebrew uh, name for him. So and, wait, where did uh, Yahweh come from then? Yahweh, that's that's a completely Jewish thing, from what I understand. It's yeah, I was because... like that. I thought that was the name of like everything. No, no, Yahweh, uh, Yahweh is closer to uh, the Father than the Son. Yeah, it refers okay. more to God, the entity, than Jesus. And from where I understand, Yahweh came from uh, whenever uh, the Judeo uh, people were. Uh, under occupation by the Romans they weren't allowed to say the actual name of their god which from what I was uh, from what I studied and what I was taught through my Hebrew root stuff is that uh, the actual name of God uh, in Hebrew is Yehovah uh, and um, instead of saying Yehovah they started saying Yahweh as like a replacement term for him it's like your name is DJ, but if we started calling you Carl because we couldn't say DJ, we'd just say, oh yeah, Carl. So that's basically what they were doing. And just over time, they instead just started calling him Yahweh more and more and more to the point to where Yehovah just kind of got forgotten over the years. And um, uh, the true followings of Yehoshua, uh, whenever the church was made and all that, like the original church, not what the Catholic Church is nowadays, and I don't mean any disrespect to the Catholic Church, I'm related to Catholics, and that's their religion and all that, and that's fine, uh, but the Catholic Church, from what I st- studied, it took aspects, whenever it was first made by Constantine, it took aspects from uh, the actual followings of Yehoshua, and then some of their Roman uh, traditions, and kind of merged them together, so then it was easier for the Roman population to accept 
uh, what is now modern Catholicism. Well, I don't want to say modern Catholicism, but early Catholicism. And that's why, like, they have the Holy Trinity. That's why they have Christmas, Easter, because those were Roman traditions. They're not rooted in actual uh, teachings of Yehoshua, because uh, if you look at the historical documents and the historical teachings, uh, Yehoshua was uh, born well, closer to what we would consider September. And uh, he was more... Uh, whenever he rose from the uh the tomb it wasn't uh on a sunday uh there's no way that he died on a friday was in uh the tomb or in the earth in his words for three days and three nights just as jonah was in the belly of the big fish and that be sunday because friday night to sunday morning that's not three days three nights and that's a lot of what um was brought over from the roman religions whenever they uh, merged the two and it is a bit controversial to say like, yeah, that's not actually what that is, but I did the research on it. And that, that was actually a Roman tradition. A uh, Roman pagan tradition is Easter and Christmas, especially because Christmas was more on the, uh, Christmas was more on the, um, the festival of Saturn, Saturnalia, as far as I know. I don't want to say this and act like I'm 100% uh, accurate with it, but it's from what I believe because it's been a couple of years since I uh, studied it and Easter was a pagan tradition of Ishtar. And another thing I'd like to add to on, on the name thing uh, is one of the reasons that they would uh, say yod heh and say just the initials of it is because of the kind of holiness surrounding the name of God for like a long respect. Right, exactly. For a long time, and even now in some occult traditions, and many occult traditions, knowing the quote-unquote true name of something gives you complete power over it. So the idea yeah. of, of abbreviating yod Vape is to kind of say that, okay, well, I do not have power over this, this, this being. And further many jews don't even say yod Vavhe. they'll say el which means god or elohim which is still god al shaddai right exactly adonai my lord al shaddai which is the almighty right saying these different names for god in is a yeah, sign of respect and and things like that but yeah i mean yahweh in general too was a uh an ancient storm god if i remember properly who kind of moved uh moved uh south i guess i guess you could say uh there is a, a great youtube video uh let me see I, I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head but uh da, 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 da. I'll have to find it for you here later. But it, it's who is Yahweh? It's it's about uh, title like who the total is who is that. Yahweh? How a storm how a warrior storm god became the god of the Israelites and world monotheism by the channel Esoterica, which I would highly recommend if you are interested in things like that more deeper uh, analyses of, of religions and things like that, occult traditions. Things like that. Highly recommend. Uh, primarily headed by a, a rabbi. But it goes over 
how that storm god kind of transformed into this uh, different deity and, and how things kind of tied together and, and merged together and and the different relationships that uh, these gods had with their uh, devotees and why different things are written in the Bible that make no sense to us or different things are written into the Torah that make no sense to us and how the audience was different at the time and it wasn't written for you or me, those kind of things. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Thank you for all the insight, Chad. I really appreciate you giving us your time today. But uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, I have been DJ. I have been Harrison. Uh, once so again, I want to say still paused. What? You still paused, you weirdo. I was waiting for you to stop, but either way... I just want to I want to say again uh, thank you to our buddy Chad for coming here and having a talk about various topics religion philosophy astronomy with us it's been very informative and this has probably been the most serious episode we've had so far thank you for having me on I had a lot of fun always you're always welcome man everybody have a good day 93 93